Sunset Spotters, welcome to the program. I'm your host, Kyle Lira, and today we have two movies to review for you guys as a lovely, lovely added bonus before we get into our uh, 2017 film discussion. Uh, with me, I have. Which will be a while. Which I have uh, Alexis and Peter with me, as always. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Um, we still don't have a government, so. Yeah. I don't know about you. I think uh, we're faring it's, pretty it's well. It's almost like we don't need one. Why do you keep. See. Well, I'm not getting into it. <laughs> Obviously. Wait, what just happened? Every time I say that, Kyle always says it's like we don't need one. And it's like, and I always tell him a world without a government is like Mad Max. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's move on. Um, well, okay. right now it's uh, shaping out pretty well for the past uh, past uh, two days. So, so far so good. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be reviewing uh, The Post in the Shape of Water. So, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for Red Spotlight number 86. I, let's begin into the order in which we saw these movies. Uh, first off, let's talk about The Post. Um, Alexis, I know that this movie has been something that you've been, uh, clamoring about for about a couple of months now. Bitching is a better yeah, time. Yeah, pretty much. And, uh, because of that, I would like to get, I'll give you the honors of going over the movie first. So, Alexis, what did you think of the post? Well, you know, The Post is a film that I had been looking forward to for practically since I first heard of it because of the subject matter, but then also because of who was involved. Uh, they had the they Holy really Trinity. Uh, and I mean, in, <laughs> in so many ways, and I think we can, we'll be discussing this in the entire conversation about this movie, but if there was ever a film that was rubber stamped made for Alexis J. Soto, it was this one. Why? Well, this was a politically inclined movie that was seemingly written to be anti-Donald Trump that was directed by my favorite director of all time, Steven Spielberg, that featured Tom Hanks, my favorite actor of all time, and Meryl Streep, who is, of course, perfection. Yeah. Uh, and you throw all of those. Oh, and of course, John Williams is there. You have Josh Singer writing the screenplay. Um, and of course, a robust ensemble with Bob Odenkirk and many, many, many more actors that we'll get into. Uh, I'll just say it. Uh, this was a film that really, when it came down to it, was going to be damn near impossible for me to hate unless it was crap. And it wasn't. Um, well, <laughs> here we go. I guess we'll discuss that. Here we go. I can't wait. No, uh, in all seriousness, I uh, love. I loved the movie. I really did. Uh, and I know that I saw it with you guys. 
um, yesterday, we all saw it together. Uh, that had actually been my third time watching it in the theater. Uh, and I found it to be even much more enjoyable on the second and third viewings. And I just have to uh, say that this is a film that is extraordinarily important for the times that we live in. And I think it's a movie that is... that needs to be viewed uh, among, let's just say, a... uh, a highly number of people that don't know anything about anything these days. But that that aside, I think it's a wonderfully written film. It is beautifully directed with uh, tremendous performances. One of the things that I think, you know, some people might just like balk at it and like dismiss it is because, well... You have Steven Spielberg, and you have Meryl Streep, and you have Tom Hanks, and they're all great. And at some point, that's just like a no-brainer. And so maybe, I guess, with time, that starts to become less impressive when you have great talent doing great work. Um, I guess that that becomes, at some point, to become less of a commodity. It'll be more of a novelty. Apparently, for some people, that's the way it is. I just think if you're doing great work, you're doing great work. And I just thought throughout uh, the beginning to the middle to the end, this is a great movie. And uh, I loved it. Peter. Yeah. (laughs) Tell Tell me what you thought of the post. Okay. Um. <clears throat> okay. 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 This is killing you. <laughs> the last time I I walked out of the movie theater thinking what a loser of a film <laughs> was La La Land, and we all I, know. But wait a minute! What I thought it was there. the Last Jedi. <laughs> Oh, sorry, The yeah, Last Jedi. Yeah, just to, for the record. <laughs> Much like The Last Jedi, the post completely destroyed oh the Oh, my lore. God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did it subvert expectations? Um, it subverted my expectations, <laughs> and I did not like that. You give me what I expect, damn it. Um, I really enjoyed the hell of the film. I thought it was really good. Um, I, I thought Steven Spielberg, it is sort of that thing where it, I, I really feel like he's on autopilot, that he's just such great of a filmmaker. He's just, he's able to just, it, 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 he doesn't even think about it. Like the way he moves the camera and shots, it just sort of happens. And I think maybe that's what people have the issue with. And that could go the same way with Tom Hanks as well. There's, like, not that challenge there anymore, you know? It's like the greatest fighter who ever lived who's just going after, you know, these um, these easy fights and, of course, getting knocking them out and winning. And it's like, but, yeah, what what... When's, when are we going to get that challenging fight where you really push yourself? 
Um, so so to, to the people who say that, may, I think it might be something like that. But even with that, I still think it's an undeniably well-made film, especially from a directorial standpoint. Of course, all the, um, the performances are great. It's an interesting little story in history, I think, is really well told. Um, it, it does get very on the nose. There was a couple parts where it's like, it, it, we get it we get it and that those kind of took me out of it because it's like it it felt like you weren't making a movie anymore you're making a PSA (laughs) Um, but even with those in there it's still uh, a really good film that I really really enjoyed alright the way that I saw the post. Of course, you'll have uh, the greatest actor, uh, Tom Hanks. You have uh, what's regarded as uh, the greatest director of all time, which is Steven Spielberg. And you have the greatest actress of all time, uh, uh, which is Meryl Streep. And you'll put them all together, and no duh, you're going to get a quality film. Uh Tom Hanks isn't regarded as the greatest actor who ever lived. Eh. That goes to a certain man who just retired from acting. That is debatable. Uh, it's not. It's widely accepted. Eh. Fake news. Um, speaking of fake oh news. Oh my god. I mean. Speaking of fake news. Uh, yeah. The I can I completely see your point. Uh, Peter, about uh, what it meant about like, oh, it's on the nose about, uh, especially at the time, because we do uh, live in an age where it's a very, uh, it's a very uh, repeat, a more extreme repeat of uh, what happened in the Nixon era, and you're getting that with the post, and uh. But I didn't mind it as much as uh, as much as you did. I mean, I see I see what you what you mean, but I did not uh, I did not uh, like it did not bother me as much as uh, you did. Um, so when Meryl Streep was walking down the court steps, and all the women touched her as if she was Jesus Christ. That didn't strike you as odd. I don't remember that scene. I think you're speaking of uh, <laughs> of another uh, of another movie called the uh, called the uh, Wonder Woman. <laughs> okay. Um, it went on forever, but okay. I I see a lot of uh, I see a lot of uh, Spielbergisms. Um, my God, can that man move a camera? Like the way that he moves the camera, like uh, like the way that things are uh, are shot and set up, and the way that it was like there are some very there's some long cuts in there, uh, and uh, the editing is uh, really intricate. Like oh, this will lead into that part, and then that will cut into uh, this scene. Which was really good, like really intricately edited and uh, and shot, and that's 
and uh, I, I like I like that in my movies. I like when movies uh, do something interesting with the mo- movie to keep like the narrative flowing. Uh, and I think that was a good little little added thing in the post. Overall, I think I got a really good time out of the post. I mean, I can't really say a lot of negatives because uh, I was thoroughly like entertained. Like it it. it both movies that we're viewing, there's like different levels of suspense. Uh, with the with the post, I'm getting the suspense of like, uh, how are they gonna uh, accomplish uh, publishing all this information, especially with all of that that's going against it, and and uh, I. I just felt uh, that kind of suspense with it, and it's it's really a well-crafted movie. (coughs) Shall we get into spoilers, gentlemen? Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to go ahead and start um, by just um, responding to several things that were said. I want to pick up what you said, uh, uh, Kyle, about the way that, that Spielberg moved the camera in this particular movie. Do you get the sense... um, and comparing it, because we've all seen here his previous uh, films of this uh, of this nature, like Bridge of Spies and Lincoln. Do you get the sense that the that he deliver that the way that he moved the camera was just like very different in this one than it was in those two? Because I think that this movie felt very fast paced, um, and there was a, there's seemingly more of an energy uh, with this one than it was in the other two. The thing. The thing about this and the the takeaway from the post that I could compare to both Bridge of Spies and Lincoln is that with uh, with Lincoln, uh, it had basic shots, um, but the way that uh, the way that uh, Daniel Day Lewis uh, captivated you, uh, that's what kept you awake, I guess. Um, Bridge of Spies, uh, very uh, basic shots, but like, uh, but there's like a lot of close-ups and and uh, what have you to keep it interesting. But this right here, the camera is always moving. You know, it's always like uh, it's always constantly like going places. It's constantly doing something. It's not just like okay, here's. A B C shot. All right, let's cut it, and that's our shot. No, it's just like there's just a really long A uh, A shot or a really long uh, B shot that'll cut into an A shot later. I mean, there's just a lot of different things that are really uh, really uh, interesting in the way that uh, Mr. Spielberg decided to direct the movie. And it's really interesting when you take other things into consideration, uh, in particular with. Uh with uh, the shooting of this film, uh, from what I heard is that Steven Spielberg didn't storyboard any of this, uh, of the entire film. It basically, they just showed up there on the set and he decided how the scene was going to be shot on the spot. Pretentious, am I right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on top of the fact that this film uh, was made in record speed time, I think he he made this film while Ready Player One was going into VFX. Wasn't editing. this 
Wasn't this movie made within eight months? Oh, yeah. yeah. He picked up the page uh, February of 2017, and it was released in limited release December 22nd, and then in wide just January 12th the next year. It was a very, very fast-paced uh, timing, and I think it was uh, very obviously... Uh, when we say that this film is very relevant is because we have a sitting president who labels the news media as fake news. And it's, you know, it, it, it sounds very startling in this day and age, but it actually, when given historical context, isn't that striking. When we have had a president in the past who was attacking the free press, who was, as uh, Tom Hanks, who portrays Ben, ben Bradley, uh, said in this film, we have the president taking a shit on the First Amendment. And we definitely have many individuals and many Americans in this country who view the First Amendment as salad dressing. Um, and I think the First Amendment is something that should be celebrated and reminded as something as a one of the higher... Uh, rights that we have in this country. And I feel that, that this film was definitely made for that about the dangers and the parallels, obviously. And I think it's also a common theme of what Spielberg did. It's almost with, like it's like a mirror and it's yeah. almost like it rhymes. It, it's kind of like what Spielberg did with, uh, with Lincoln, with that whole rat's nest situation that happened with the house of representatives and the president with uh passing of the uh, 13th amendment to abolish slavery. Uh, when you see Lincoln and you see the absolute um, disarray of politics in the 1860s, you can't help to uh, the direct, I would say anyway, comparison to the way that Barack Obama was with uh, the Republican House uh, and how those negotiations went, of which I think one time led to a government shutdown, which, oh, I think we're doing that one more time. I think I heard Here we the, are. I think I heard in the news that the government well, shut down. It's kind. Of, it's kind of funny. Uh, the the how he said that he was going to run. A, how Trump said that he was going to run this country, like he like he did with his company. And uh, it's kind of funny how we're in a government shutdown right now. So uh, it's it's kind of it's kind of ironic. Well, uh, Anyway, back to the film. I, I actually like how the movie has one foot on the pedal or has on one side you have the uh, main situation with Ben Bradley and uh, his team, the Washington Post, getting the papers and getting them published. But I also like the importance of Kay Graham, the editor, not the editor, sorry, the, the owner of the paper and her journey to getting there. And the struggles that we see her go through in this entire film about being a woman. And I have to say, as somebody who exudes confidence like Meryl Streep to show just, I thought you're going to say as someone who's a woman, no, as someone who exudes such confidence and success and power as Meryl Streep does in her everyday life to, Oh, I think it would have been more realistic if you said to portray, no, to portray somebody so lack of self-esteem and so low in confidence in this particular film, um, 
I mean, I think that just shows another uh, array of her acting ability. I mean, several moments, I think, stand out when she's having her first scene with Ben Bad- when, when, uh, with Ben Bradley, and she's insisting upon this lifestyle section, uh, and Ben is like, uh, Catherine, get your finger out of my eye. Um, there are so many moments in the film where she is constantly pushed back or stomped on entirely. And it, and it hurts a little to see uh, people being treated like that is, in general. But I think the decision for her to publish the papers and the importance and the pressure that um, was placed upon her, considering her background and considering the absolute circus of a position that she was in I thought was a a smart decision because if you uh, look at all the president's men which which is weirdly enough kind of like this this, uh, pseudo sequel to the events that happened here at the post like one year later it was the Watergate scandal if you look at that movie which is a a terrific movie Kay Graham is only mentioned once and is not seen at all in the movie Um, and she is the owner of the Washington Post so it's, it's. I think it also says something about the time, really her story and her journey. Um, and I think Kyle is right. Uh, there really is a really fun sense of suspense if you don't know the events that happened with the publishing of the papers, uh, especially that last uh, act of the movie, uh, which I think is the best part, is really, really enjoyable. But I think for my money, look, I... I I enjoyed Meryl Streep so much as Kay Graham. I definitely loved uh, Tom Hanks as Ben Bradley. I I mean, I know it's like... It had a star cast. No, yeah. Yeah, I felt a little bit more of a kick this time around with with Tom Hanks. I I definitely felt him... uh, Trying more with this performance. Not that he's given a bad performance. I think Tom Hanks always delivers, but I, but because Tom actually knew Ben Brad, Ben Bradley in real life, and you also have to live up to that uh, that other performance that was seen in All the President's Men. So he knew what he had to tackle, and I think he gave a terrific performance. And I mean, I just think him and Streep on screen together was absolutely perfect. And I think. Um, when it came to when it came down to it, I I love the movie. And as far as addressing what Peter was concerned about, those moments that were on the nose, uh, I agree. Uh, but I mean, what is Steven Spielberg if it isn't on the nose? Uh, I think those are some of the things that we have to accept nowadays with the sentimentalist that is Steven Spielberg, and that's kind of one of the re- many reasons why I identify so much with him. Uh, I don't. Those moments, I mean, did it take you out of the movie? I think you can make a reasonable case for why it would take you out of the film. That moment where she was walking down the steps of the Supreme Court and you see women being inspired by Catherine Graham, I think is an important moment. And I think I did find that to be quite touching um, and a reminder as to why this is a very important story on a number of uh, reasons, more than just publishing the papers but i mean we should say for those who don't for those who don't know what the papers actually were it was basically this study that showed that throughout four administrations of this country's history 
that were basically covering up uh, the real uh, truths about the Vietnam War and that basically we didn't leave the war because we were embarrassed to lose a war. And for that it reason, was... we had so many people die. Uh, let, like, coming from a guy who doesn't know like what happened with all the shit that happened uh, with surrounding the Vietnam War... Um, I was generally shocked. Like, like it was surprisingly how like, how like, this whole thing went through five presidents. This whole uh, Vietnam War went through five presidents, and if that's not shit enough, I don't know what is because that that was a genuine shock to me seeing uh how much this uh how much we got the Vietnam War. Uh, progressed with uh, throughout time, and, and it was how, also like, yeah. It was also a shock. How hopeless, how hopeless it was, kind of. Yeah, it was also a shock to uh, the the media, and I like how this movie didn't ignore the fact that in those days the the reporters were buddy buddies with uh, politicians and with the leaders of our of our uh, world. They still are. What? They still are. Well, not so much now. The only one that's a buddy. Mm-hmm. There's only one network that's all buddy buddy and chummy chummy with uh, president. But that's uh, let's not get into that. Uh, Peter, you have been uh, you have been quiet. I want to know. Uh, you have any furthering thoughts? No, I, I believe I said my piece. I enjoyed the film. I thought it was a very good film. I thought it was very well made. Uh, good performances, good writing, good directing. And uh, I enjoyed my time watching it. I thought it was a very good film. Negatives? I've also given my negatives. Other than uh, that it was on the nose, or that's the only uh, negative complaint that you have on it? Uh, major one. Yes. All right, I'll I'll do a follow up question with you, Peter. How do you think this compares to uh, Bridges, Spies, and Lincoln? Um, you, it's better than Bridge of Spies. Okay. Yeah, it's better than Bridge of Spies. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Sh- but I, but I, I also like Bridge of Spies, and you didn't even think I would like that film, and I did. So uh, what I'm hearing is you're continuously surprised by how much you like Steven Spielberg's recent films. See, this is the thing you need to realize. <laughs> I've never hated Steven Spielberg. I've never disliked Steven Spielberg. I've never once said that. I enjoy making fun of you because, I mean, who doesn't? Ditto. But I've never once shown a bit of disdain for Steven Spielberg or his films. I've always liked them. He's a great filmmaker. Final thoughts, gentlemen. Well, since Peter has said his piece, well, what I would just say is the films that Steven Spielberg makes uh, nowadays, I think, resonate with me because of uh, who I identify as ideologically and um, who and for what I think 
is right and for what is just. And uh, I'm extraordinarily proud of Steven Spielberg for making films like Lincoln and Bridge of Spies and Post, which I think serve as a reminder of what real justice looks like and what real patriotism looks like and that we shouldn't at any point um, think that only one kind of service matters in this country or one kind of authority matters in this country. Anybody has the potential to do what is right and what is just. And I'm happy if you look at all of these films that focus on people who do the right thing under the absolutely uh, crappiest of circumstances. All of these happen to be true events. All of these happen to be true stories. And I think uh, if uh, if you uh, happen to run a history class, I think all three of these films would be very helpful in educating the public, which sorely, I think, needs it. Because these are ideals and these are values that should be held throughout everybody in this country. And sadly, we are reduced to fake news. And I think... Uh, we need more movies like this. I truly think so. And I think, I mean, if it happens to be on the nose, it's because, quite frankly, the public isn't very intelligent these days. Why? Because we have a president who has officially shut down this country on the one-year anniversary of his inauguration. Okay? So, I love this movie, by the way. So. Ditto. Let's talk about uh, Shapely Water, guys. Uh, Guillermo del Toro came out with a uh, with a new movie called The Shape of Water, uh, and it's uh, and it's a wonderfully kind of messed up, kind of sweet uh, fairy tale uh, that uh, about a, a mute lady and uh, she falls in love with a fish man. That's my that's my best. Uh, my best uh, synopsis on the film. Peter, how uh, was Kyle's synopsis? It was not the worst one he's ever given. I think okay. that's a step in the right direction. Kind of like DC, right? So, I... Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> so, okay. Peter... Yes. Your homeboy, Guillermo del Toro, came out with another film, and I want to know what your thoughts are on The Shape of Water. So, Peter Martinez, take the floor. I saw no fish penis. Two out of ten. I concur with Mr. Martinez. I'm very okay, disappointed. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our podcast. Uh, check out no get, get serious, get serious. Let's hear your serious thoughts on the movie. I am I'm disappointed. I was sold a bag. Can of I lies. just be the one to point out that um, in the past, Kyle opened a show with "Let's Get Syria." I don't know why. I just felt the need to say that. <laughs> Moving on. Um, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, the shape of um, Alexis. Stop. The the shape of the shape of milk. Um, 
I adored this film. It was a beautifully made film. It was directed wonderfully. The acting was incredible. Um, Sally Hawkins, who played Eliza, did a very good job. Doug, Doug Jones is Mr. Creature Man forever. He is to make up what um, that other guy is to mocap. Andy Circus. Um, what's his name? Andy Circus. Um, he gave a wonderful performance. This is very much an adult fairy tale, and it's it, you you feel I think more of a real connection and love in this film than a lot of like love story films, and I think that says something, especially when one person can talk and the other person's a fish man. They, that's that takes a lot to be able to do that. I, um go on. Uh I do have issues with the film. Um I felt what's his name was a little too one dimensional. Uh, what's his um, name? Shan- Michael Shannon. General Zod. Yeah. Michael Shannon. Yeah. Um I could have used a little bit more depth with him. They flirted it with it a little bit, but I think you could have given him more. Um and there's probably little things here and there, but that's the biggest one, the biggest issue, I think. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's um, it's maybe my third or second favorite Guillermo del Toro film. Really? Um, Not a bad thing to say, by the way. Yes. He's a great director. No. Pan's Labyrinth, I think, is a, like a perfect film. And you've never seen it, but I really enjoy uh, The Devil's Backbone. Which is, uh, it's great. I've heard great things it's about really that great. one. And I'm yeah, a possible um, uh, a future to the table, Mr. Uh, Mr. Martinez. Possible. <laughs> Very possible. Um, but no, it's, it's a wonderful film that uh, I really, really enjoyed. So yeah, take it away, next person. Uh, I, I, okay. I would like huh? to go next. I would like to go next because uh, I have okay. some thoughts about this movie. Uh, but hold up, hold up. We need to go in descending order of Mexican because it's a Mexican director. I'm not touching that. Kyle, you do your thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you made a very interesting point when uh, you were giving your uh, your statement, uh, Peter. And your that statement. was that... And that was... Uh, when you said that uh, you felt uh, the romance was more believable between uh, between the amphibious man, which is what he's credited as, uh, and uh, and uh, Eliza, and uh, and I think that's due to uh, uh, how they have to convey their emotions. Uh, to communicate rather than uh, actual words, you know, you don't have like expository dialogue going around it uh, to make you feel something. You have their emotions. You have, you know, Sally Hawkins' uh, facial features are uh, driving a lot of the the motion that she's uh, trying to convey through it. Uh, she she plays a mute, and at first I thought she was actually mute, you know? Um, 
The only thing. What? The yeah yeah I thought. Like in real life? Yeah, I thought that they they hired an actual mute uh, actress. <laughs> Oh, okay. So I, I was like, okay, and then that's that's kind of why I was thrown off with uh, with the with the. You weren't a little uh, suspicious when her scars looked like gills. Uh, a little bit, yeah, yeah. I was like, they look like okay. gills. I wonder if that's going to come to play. Um, and uh, so I I felt like the the chemistry between uh, between uh, Hawkins and Jones were amazing in this film they 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 acted each other uh off each other really well um all the other actors are are great you have uh you have uh of course michael shannon uh as you know being ham as usual and uh that's always nice to see um what what's his what's the what's the neighbor's name uh richard uh richard jenkins or something Yes, that's Richard Jenkins, uh, her neighbor. Yeah, I thought he was amazing. I thought he was going to be a one-note character, but no, he was not a one-note character. He actually he actually uh, did something. He actually was like, okay, got to do this, got to do that. Um, uh, like, very kind. I thought he was going to be a, a douche to the, to the beast uh, or the amphibious man. And I thought that was gonna be uh, I thought that was gonna be what happened, but no, it uh, it subverted expectations, if you will. <laughs> um, and I think that was a nice little little thing. Um, well shot. There are some visually striking scenes that that uh, that still stick with me after seeing the movie. Um, and I just 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 how they they use the the color green and I uh, and I and how they use it and how it's like Kyle I gotta correct you I gotta correct you it's teal oh <laughs> thank you thank you I thank you for that uh, color correction uh, and in which the color correction was really good the teal color correction I should say um, and it was just a really wonderful movie. I felt I felt like I felt a very uh, uh, suspend like I felt the suspense uh, when uh, when uh, Michael Shannon's character was uh, putting the pieces together uh, and uh, going after uh, Eliza and all that stuff. And that was that really uh, put me on a on a suspense threshold, and I I felt. I I felt like this movie was a uh, really well crafted. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I gotta say about it. Alexis Soto, take it away. I would like to concur with the panel. I thought this was a marvelous movie uh, and wondrous even. Um, I think it's another winner by Guillermo del Toro, and I think the way that Peter described it, I think, is the essence of this film, which is to say, I think Disney did a fantastic job with its live-action adaptation of Beauty and the Beast. No, 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 no. Okay, <laughs> let's stop this right here. Let's stop this right I here. think, you know, Disney really showed themselves what they no. can do when they think okay. outside the box, because okay. we all know that Fox is Searchlight where... is under the Disney umbrella. Okay. This is where I stop. I'm kidding. Right. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm I... kidding, guys. I'm kidding. Okay. 
No, no. First of all, I drop the hammer and say this film would never have been grit light. Okay, okay, Disney. people. That makes sense. Okay, it's teal lit. All right, get a grip, people. Oh my god. You're the one who's part of the Disney cult. You know, I never once said that, and by the way, that doesn't exist. So if I can go back to reviewing this oh, really? film, this oh, is really? very much... Ask Alexis, I'm Moreno. This is very much an adult fairy tale, and, you know, it doesn't really flirt with its R rating. It really embraces this, uh, <laughs> the R rating full on, uh, which is, as to say, it's a very explicit and mature story, but... I think it's also uh, beautiful in uh, the relationship and the romance that is formed between uh, the amphibious creature. Is that what he's credited as? or Amphibious man. The amphibious man and uh, Eliza. Uh, 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 to state the obvious, terrific performances all the way throughout. I think Sally Hawkins was probably better than ever. Octavia Spencer is always great. I mean, she's Octavia Spencer. And Richard Jenkins uh, was really, really good in this movie. And I agree. I was concerned that he was going to come off as a jerk or maybe even turn into a villainous uh, ego. But I was actually quite... Uh, um, surprised and thankful that, um, you know, it's really interesting because the circumstances that Eliza and her neighbor, uh, I think, I don't I do not remember the name of his character. Um, and, um, Zelda, who, uh, Octavia Spencer plays. You think about it, these are actually groups of displaced people in the particular era that they're in. Uh, Zelda, who is black, Richard Jenkins, who is gay, and Sally Hawkins, who is mute. And when you think about the circumstances that bring these displaced groups of people together to save another individual whose society does not care about, I thought that was also quite moving and touching and a key component of the story that can't be ignored. Um, it's also very fantastical, but I think it was played, I think, with a sense of realism uh, as the story can be more than, I would say, a Pan's Labyrinth. But that being said, I think the relate... Ooh, Pan's Labyrinth had a much more... Well, I guess it's how you interpret it. A uh, realistic ending. I, Which I guess you can interpret this ending... Uh, differently if you yeah, want. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, like we, what Guillermo says, how you interpret the ending of his films really says a lot about you. I mean, I take the the movie at its word. I, I believe this happened because it's kind of too kooky to make up. Um, so, I mean, I know that the, the movie begins and ends with the sense of, did this happen? Like, I wonder what you would, what you would think if I told you about her. Um, but... Uh, no, I, I thought it was wonderful. I enjoyed Michael Shannon. Was he perhaps one note? Yeah. But, I mean, I don't... It never at one point uh, bothered me. Could there have been a lot more with him? Sure. Definitely that would have helped a lot. I think for me, if there is a particular issue with the movie that I think probably needed it, for me anyway, even though... And that's probably it, it can vary in person to person. I would have liked a little bit more of the bond uh, with the amphibious uh, 
man and uh, and Eliza while he was still trapped in the laboratory. Um, mm. I can see that. I, I do think they, they they moved pretty quickly to busting him out. I didn't realize. I was like, because I the I assumed that was the climax. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So like halfway through the movie when they're busting him out, I'm like, damn, this is a short film. Um, but then it keeps yeah, going. Yeah. And um, some people, some people think so, that it, it kind of, yeah. it goes downhill a little bit. Do you agree with that? I still enjoyed it all the way through the end. I definitely think it slows yeah. down a bit, but I don't think that's bad either per se. Um, I can definitely understand if he had remained in there the whole time, how momentum would constantly ramp up. But the fact that it's, mainly supposed to be this sort of uh, monster romance. <laughs> um, the fact that you're given just time for them to be together and develop in when he's at her house, I don't think is bad. I think that's that's what that's what the movie's about. Can we talk about the the cinematography and visual effects here? Yes, I want to I want to get into that because. Uh, you said that uh, when it slows down and when uh, after they uh, spring him out of the laboratory, um, it led to uh, some of my uh, some of my favorite uh, shots in the movie, which is uh, she she has a romantic encounter with uh, with the amphibious man, and which she floods her uh, her uh, her bathroom. And she, uh, and which, she, by the way, uh, I want to say Nettie had a real issue about that because that there, in no way would that water have stayed in that room. But yeah, I was thinking that too. <laughs> but it, but it was a beautiful shot, nevertheless, of uh, of them, I, uh, uh, you know, of them bonding, and that was an actual like nice moment. And I was like, oh, that was that was really, it's a really sweet moment between them two. And uh, and the music that uh, Alexander Desplat is uh, is uh, is swelling, and uh, I think that uh, the score for The Shape of Water is better than uh, what John Williams did with the Post, and uh, you could you could take that to the bank, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I would like to say for the record that I thought John Williams did a wonderful score for The Post, but I think what Alexander Desplat did with The Shape of Water is, I think, much more important for the movie. Yeah. To say for the record. No, you're absolutely right. The score, I thought, was beautiful from the beginning to the end. And really, like capture, way, yeah. <clears throat> Go ahead. Like, like the way that, like, it, it was like all, it was like a whimsical score, and it needed, you know, it was whimsical where it needed to be whimsical, um, little subtle when it needed to be subtle, and that's what a good score does. It really captures the emotions of the of the moment. Um, we also do have to talk about the particulars about the budgeting of this film because the visuals, from what we understand, are very impressive for what the money that they spent on this movie. Right, Peter? Oh, my God. Um, but they had, like, a very small budget. Eight million, you said, right? And let me, let me double check that. I want to be accurate. Let me see. The shape... How many peas are in shape? One pea. 
of H2O. Okay. <laughs> oh, it has 96% around tomatoes. That means it's almost as good as uh, Wonder Woman. I um, It says here that the budget of the movie was $19 million. Let me see. 19.5. Yeah. Yes. So it was higher. Um, but what, what, what I mean, Guillermo is known for asking for bigger budgets. Didn't he ask for 30? I think he asked for something like 80 or I don't know. I don't know about 80. It was, I, to, to realistically look at this film, I, I would think you would need it at least like 60 or something like that. But he got away with it. Boy, oh boy, they squeezed every penny out. Um, visually, it's it's a striking film, but the stuff that w- would be difficult, um, like the creature, is unbelievably good and unbelievably realistic, I feel. And I think that lends itself to, because it was a mixture of CGI and a bodysuit, but even when they're like floating in the water where you know the majority of that was uh, visual effects I mean this is a director who really knows how to um, budget and prioritize (laughs) and um, and, like the the job of a director is basically a manager you know Um, you hire people who know what they do but who 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 are talented and know how to get the job done and your your job is basically to know who to hire and um ha- how to make everything run smoothly and i think to be able to create a film that looks better than most major blockbusters for under 20 million that's pretty darn great no, I, yeah, it, it, it's Good great, job. and it's also a very important movie for Guillermo. I actually want to read something to you very quickly. This was a quote by Guillermo del Toro that I think really says so much about him. Um, in an interview with IndieWire, del Toro said, and I quote, This movie is a healing movie for me. For nine movies, I rephrased the fears of my childhood, the dreams of my childhood, and this is the first time I speak as an adult about something that worries me as an adult. I speak about trust, otherness, sex, love, where we're going. These are not concerns that I had when I was nine or seven. Unquote. Um, I, I will say the, the, the connecting thread, I like to find connecting threads in our uh, podcasts of uh this this particular episode is that I would I would say that I have a direct fondness for the people of both of Steven Spielberg and Guillermo mm-hmm. del Toro. They're they're both I think really not just great directors but great people who represent I think you can be successful and not be an asshole. <laughs> it's possible. Guys. You can be successful and um, be an artist for some who want to separate yes. the two. <clears throat> so, um, they're both really great guys. Like, um, his acceptance speech at, what was it, the Golden yeah. Globes? Was 
wonderful 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 and you also get a sense that there's a lot of thought process that goes into these films it's not just like hey let's make a movie and you know they'll be cool creatures and action and it'll look pretty it, it's, no it has like emotional themes with him and it's and mm-hmm. it's uh and it's emotionally tied with uh, what he's feeling at the moment, and that's, uh, and that's like, uh, that's what like every artist uh, does, you know. What they feel in the moment reflects on, on their work, you know. And you get as deaf. It, it's a film that has both the flash, and the substance, which I think is what Guillermo is able to bring, which not a lot of directors are able to do. Yeah, like there's a lot of people who are more substance, but no flash. So a lot of people who are like. No, a lot of flash, but no uh, substance. Um, and uh, Guillermo definitely does, takes the two and makes it work wholeheartedly. Um, final thoughts, guys. Do you have anything uh, else to say about Shape of Water? Well, I mean, in general, I uh, enjoyed myself thoroughly with both of these movies. Uh, I think to a certain extent I loved both of these movies, and I had a great time uh, seeing them again with you guys. Um, no fish penis. Two out of ten. Same. I would go as far as saying uh, one out of ten, Peter. I'm not going to be that hard, but uh, I understand if you are. I, under- I completely understand. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it was, it was, uh, no pun intended, uh, hard. So, ladies and gentlemen, that was our, uh, our podcast. Did you like what you heard? Well, you could hear, uh, all their other stuff. Kyle, and, uh, before we go, uh, can we, can we tease our next two to the tables? Our next to the table is uh, our <laughs> Peter and, and Kyle did one that's coming out pretty soon. P- yes, and that was uh, Attack the Block, and uh, so I married an axe murderer. Uh, and uh, Alexis and I uh, are gonna do one uh, yesterday for the first time ever. Uh, Alexis watched a movie that uh, I'm very fond of. And uh, there's a movie that Alexis gave me. Just say it. All right. The next movie, the next episode is a Rocky Horror Picture Show, and all the president's men. And oh, God. that's our that's our next to the table. I wanted to barf just here. That. That's our next uh, to the table, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, you can find the to the tables and all the other podcasts on podcast.com and iTunes.com. Uh, and if you want to see our bright and shining faces, check out YouTube. Uh, just search up Red Spotlight Entertainment. Without further ado, I'm Kyle Lira. And with me, I have Alexis Soto and You Peter can watch Martinez. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. every Friday yes, at ABC at yes. 9 p.m. Watch it while it's on exactly. the air. Exactly. Yeah. You can also DVR and iTunes, whatever. But uh, it's going steady, guys. Keep watching. For those of you who actually aren't watching, which is nobody on this panel, but okay. Amphibious Man and Tori Kelly take it away. Oh, my God. 
Now we know why they sing. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And what's on the other side? Rainbows are visions, but only illusions. And rainbows have nothing to hide. So we've been told, and some choose to believe it. But I know they're wrong, wait and see. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. Wow, I wish I could sing like you. (laughs) Who said that every wish would be heard and answered, wished on the morning star? Well, you know, somebody just thought of that. And someone believed it And look what it's done so far You know What's so amazing That keeps us stargazing What do we think we might see? Someday we'll find it The rainbow connection The lovers, the dreamers to be.